right, good morning. Here we go. Welcome to Men's Leadership Network. My name is Nick Allen. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Rolling Hills, and I'm pleased to be at Franklin Campus today for the live event um, to welcome you men. Missing the guys who are at Bricks this morning, my typical location. I want to give a shout out to you guys, um, and then also to anybody joining us at 55 South in Nolensville today, as well as anybody that's joining us online. Uh, today's guest really doesn't need an introduction at Rolling Hills. He and his family have been a staple for uh, a decade in the life of our church. Uh, Jason uh, Howerta found Rolling Hills through the three-on-three basketball tournament that Rolling Hills held in the early days at the uh, Cool Springs Movie Theater, and uh, people didn't know when he got there that what they were going to find on the court was legit. Um, Jason, having played at Vanderbilt uh, in his college days, taking them to the Sweet 16 in 2004, uh, on the court, uh, he learned a lot of leadership lessons that have translated into a successful career, and we're going to learn about that today. Currently serves as the vice president of Foundry Commercial, a full-service real estate and investment firm. Um, he's coordinated over uh, 2 million square feet of commercial leases, um, totaling more than 300 million dollars in the greater Nashville area, um, earning him the 2010 Broker of the Year Award, and we're excited to have him here today. Um, Jason and his wife Jessica, they live in Franklin with their two boys, Luke and Jackson. I'm trying to coax him to coach my little boy in basketball this year. We'll see how that goes. We're excited about all the lessons that we're going to learn today from Jason. I'm seeing what the Lord has done in his life um, and the way that those leadership lessons have translated um, into who he is today. So thank you guys for being here. We're looking forward to what happens. Awesome, awesome. Jason, Jason, thank you so much for being a part today of Men's Leadership. Yeah. And man, it's just uh, such an honor to serve our God with you and with your family. Thanks. Tell us about your growing up years. Tell us about, you know, because you have an awesome family that, you know, your dad really invested in you. But tell us about your growing up years and then being in church and what yeah. that looked like for you. Um, yeah, first of all, great to be here. Thanks, Nick. I can, I can bring you to pitches and uh, you can come with me and introduce me wherever I go. It'd be great. Um, it's funny. You know, I've been, I was, I was there when Men's Leadership Network was born in, yes. in, in California a few years ago and, and uh, have, have sat out there multiple times and seen a lot of people. And um, it's funny, God's been stirring in my life recently this theme of, um, uh, of operating from a faith-based mentality rather than a fear-based mentality. In fact, one of my good buddies, Wade Benz, was the one who kind of confronted me on that and said, you're making decisions on a, on a fear-based mentality. And he said, that's just not biblical. And so uh, wow. I'm, I'm grateful that you asked me to be up here and that, you know, Wade gave me that advice in that, uh, in that this is something that, um, you know, is certainly uh, out of the comfort zone. And yeah. so I'm happy to be here and, and do this. But to your question, um, uh, I grew up in a great family. Uh, mm -hmm. You had the benefit of meeting my parents a couple weeks ago at, a, at an yeah. event. And um, uh, I've got um, a, a dad who like you felt a calling on his life uh, to get into ministry is a different kind of ministry. He was not on the pulpit, but he decided um, to, to jump out and start a Christian school in Chattanooga, and that's his life and his legacy. And, wow. you know, in 1975, he started with 12 kids, and he grew it to about 1,200. And, um, and the impact and the ripple effect in Chattanooga of what he did um, uh, with just his faithfulness of being there. Um, uh, you know, certainly some big shoes for uh, me and my siblings to fill. Um, so I've got an si older sister who lives here in Franklin. Her husband's here this morning um, uh, and goes here to Rolling Hills with us. And I've got an older brother who's back in Chattanooga. And so it had an unbelievable support system. As far as church, you know, probably like a lot of um, you know, young boys in the South, uh, was at church a lot. Um, we grew up in a pretty conservative Presbyterian church, and um, <clears throat> so we were there twice on Sundays, Wednesday nights, you know, work days, you know, cutting grass and, you know, fixing holes in the roof, and um, so much of my childhood was spent down there. The other part of my childhood was building a school, right, mm -hmm. as we 
we were a part of that process. And so um, I think that's where I got into commercial real estate is we built a lot of those buildings um, with our bare hands. Uh, wow. We poured the slab and we put up the steel and um, we maintained those and I cut grass in the summers. And so my, my whole childhood was spent in a school, which is just a giant playground for me. Um, and, and, and the benefit of having a dad that, that ran a school was I had the master key to the school. And so um, I got to get into the gym whenever I want. So I had unlimited access to gym and baseball and um, soccer fields and equipment. And so um, sports pretty quickly became a big part of my life. Mm. Yeah. It did. I, I mean, you're one of the best athletes I know, I got to say. And uh, I've had the privilege Former. to play. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about that in basketball. Uh, but, uh, but I've had the privilege to play golf with you, too. And, I mean, you know, wow, you're an incredible golfer. And uh, I heard you recently had a, a hole-in-one at Pebble <laughs> Beach. So that's pretty amazing, number it's seven. It's true, yeah. So, Doesn't get much better than that for golf. Yeah. I, had a, I had a great witness, yeah. so I know it's not a lie when, when, the, when the pastor witnesses so, it. So... Tell us about growing up and playing sports, because sports is such a big part of our culture, a big part of, you know, our lives probably as men, but also our kids. Tell us about growing up and playing sports. Yeah, I mean, pretty quickly, um, you know, I gravitated towards sports. My, my dad's an athlete. My mom's an athlete. Um, my brother and sister are both athletes, and so I was just kind of in a family that just played sports. And um, so, I, you know, like most kids, I played, you know, soccer and baseball in uh, high school. I tried tennis. And I played golf. Um, and, uh, and then obviously basketball. And, and uh, as I got into my middle school years, um, baseball became a little bit boring for me. Mm. <laughs> so I gravitated more towards basketball, which is a little more exciting. And um, it's funny, I, I, I kept a journal in high school and I went back and I read um, a lot of my journal last night. And it was just kind of um, you know, asking a lot of questions about you know, my high school and college career. And, um, uh, you know, to go back and, and read the person I was and the feelings that I had during that time. I mean, I, I love basketball. I mean, I, it was something I was just passionate about. And um, I used to go in before school at, you know, 5 o'clock. Believe it or not, I used to be a morning person. That has changed, uh, given my, my big cup of coffee here. Um, I used to go in early and get shots up before school. I'd shoot, you know, after school. I'd go to practice. I'd usually go back at 11 o'clock at night and go shoot again. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't an obligation. It was because I loved to do it. And so... Um, quickly developed a passion for basketball and, um, uh, and, and critical for having any success is I just loved the practice. I was just a grinder, um, a, you know, a gym rat. And so I was, I was there all the time. So it was great. Wow. Yeah. Was there ever a conflict between sports and church, family, you know, because it, it took so much of your time. Yeah. It, was there ever a conflict that you saw there? Yeah. So, um, uh, yes, there, there was. I, I mentioned, um, we grew up in a um, in a very conservative and somewhat legalistic church um, uh, as, as children, and, and the church was, was great. Like like all churches, it went through a life cycle, and mm-hmm. um, and leadership changed, and new people kind of come in and out, and um, through a series of events, we kind of found ourselves um, uh, not aligned uh, as a family, and it started with you know my dad and. Um, uh, and you hear conversations at the dinner table and, it, you know, you kind of build up some cynicism and build up some scar tissue. And, um, and then as my basketball career kind of ran a parallel path is uh, in order for me to play at the next level, we knew that our school was so small, I'd never get seen by anybody. And so we knew that the AAU circuit was going to be critical uh, for that growth. And so uh, I joined an all-star team from across the state of Tennessee and we used to travel all over the country and play just about every weekend. So in my entire high school career, every, every summer I was on the road every weekend, usually by myself. And, um, and so that entailed, 
you know, basketball Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, and then come back, go to school on Monday, and then do it again the next weekend. And so, um, what that also involved was missing church, mm-hmm. right? And so, my family would be at church, and I'd be off on the road playing basketball. And so, that, that became um, an issue. Um, oddly enough, my parents said early on, you can't play on this team unless you go to church on Sunday. So nobody knew that every Sunday morning I was waking up and I had to have a coach uh, take me to church. And so I went to church in, you know, Hampton, Virginia, and Augusta, Georgia, and Orlando, Florida, just random churches around the country um, during those years. And um, anyway, the long story, or the, the, the That's long powerful story though, short, you know, that you made that kind yeah. of commitment and you did well, that. They made that commitment. I wasn't that excited to get up when my teachers were still sleeping. It was, a prere- Come on, it's sad, it was a prerequisite for playing. So, um, uh, but, you know, as, as word got back to the church that there was already a conflict and now I was playing on Sundays, um, it, it, it became an issue and uh, manifested itself in some, some really unhealthy ways. And, and ultimately, I was a you know, freshman and sophomore in high school when this was happening and um, kind of found myself in the middle of it, um, right or wrong. And there's a lot more going on, but um, you know, some stuff said to me and done to me from, from leadership in the church that was just, quite frankly, not appropriate. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, and that, that hurt. I mean, that, yeah. that, at the time, planted a seed in me, and um, and it kind of built up this level of thick skin and sarcasm and cynicism. And um, you know, I love uh, reading Rob Bell's stuff, and he mm-hmm. talks about your your faith being like a brick wall, like a nice clean brick wall. And as you grow up and you go to college, and people start questioning it, or something like this happens, you know, little pieces of that brick start to chip away, mm-hmm. and and before long, that wall comes crumbling down. And that's where you know a lot of college kids kind of either find their faith again, or they just walk away. And so for me, that was a huge blow to that wall, as you had this church that was my foundation, and all of a sudden it had been chipped away and that wall started crumbling. Um, interestingly enough, at the same time, you know, I was having this success in basketball and basketball had never let me down and um, I was getting more popular at school and people wanted to know kind of what I was going to do for college and I had reporters and I had coaches and I had all this kind of great stuff that goes along with, you know, being a good basketball player. And so um, another seed was planted at the same time, which is you know, now my identity is a basketball player, mm. right? Mm. And so um, every conversation I had, everything that people wanted to talk to me about was basketball. And so that's who I was. That's who I became. And so now you had church crumbling on one side and you had identity in basketball on the other side, which you can probably see where the story goes. And it's just an unhealthy kind of time in my life. And, and, and I don't want to make it sound like I was some rebellious kid. In fact, I was probably the opposite because I mm. did a really good job of hiding it. Um, I was probably more like the older brother in the parable. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so I was on the outside really, really good, but on the inside kind of in a, kind of in a bad place. Mm. Yeah. How did your dad help you navigate some of that and balance some of that? Because your dad is a godly man. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think for every one of us who are dads in this room or watching this podcast, trying to help our kids balance that where their identity is and their identity in yeah. Christ versus identity in sports or whatever else. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'd say obviously a combination of dad. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate to have um, and, and have had many, you know, great, great men in yeah. my life that have um, poured into me. I'm fortunate to have many great friends. Um, you know, some, some of them are here today. One of them bailed out of me today. He's at some meeting or something, but he was supposed to be here. But um, Thomas, you should rent Band of Brothers. It's a good, it's a good movie. Um, uh, so anyway, 
dad certainly helped me through that time. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's two things that happen kind of uh, post-college, uh, post-Vanderbilt. Uh, is, is, uh, one is I got engaged to my girlfriend and now wife, Jessica, mm-hmm. which a lot of you guys know, and um, is, is just a rock star. I mean, mm-hmm. she's, she's so far beyond what I should have married that it's unbelievable. Um, uh, when we got engaged, her parents said, you can't marry our daughter unless you go to this thing called Trace Dias, which is this uh, kind of spiritual retreat. And some of you guys probably know Trace Dias, and I know it catches a bad rap, and it is what it is, but uh, we went on this retreat, and it's probably the biggest mm-hmm. um, spiritual impact I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've, I've remained involved in that, in that community. And so on that weekend, I kind of confronted a little bit of that past and a lot of it bubbled up. And the great thing was I started a process of um, letting go and forgiving some of those things that had happened at church and, um, and really started a process of getting back in. It, it, it certainly wasn't an immediate kind of, you're done, it, but and it's something I struggle with today. I mean, I, I struggle with um, being cynical about our church, about mm-hmm. um, you know questioning things that I see, and about doubt, and about all these things. And it's just a, a constant kind of process of, of working through. Um, you know, the other thing was that identity piece, right? My mm-hmm. college career had ended. Um, I'm not a basketball player anymore. Um, I would be lying to you if I said. Um, my basketball career at Vanderbilt went exactly like I envisioned it to be. There was a lot of expectation uh, put on me when I came into that program to be a cornerstone of rebuilding that program. And um, through a series of events, um, it just didn't happen. And so now you've got your identity wrapped up in shortcomings and in failure. Um, and so, you know, confronting that and confronting those expectations um, and really having to re, re think my identity um, uh, was challenging. And so the second thing that happened is um, you know, Saturday afternoon, I went out, buddy called me and said, I'm playing in a basketball tournament. You ought to, you ought to come watch. And uh, so I came out and I was standing in a, uh, in a parking lot at, at the movie theater. And, uh, and this, this guy comes up and he's just laughing and giggling and having a great time. And he was telling me about how great the San Antonio Spurs are. And, um, you know, one of the nicest guys I've ever met, and we we had a 20-minute conversation that had nothing to do with church, and um, uh, and at the end, it was completely about sports, and uh, and at the end, he said, "Hey, I got a church right back here. Like, I don't know if you have a church home, but uh, you should come check it out." And uh, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll be there. Whatever, no problem." And uh, and then and then the guy said, "And by the way, if you see me down front, and I've got a microphone, like, don't be intimidated because I'm actually the pastor here." And so um, that day I met you, man, and uh, in that you, you didn't know it, but um, man, at, at the time, uh, whew, that was that was important. Uh, well, Jason, it's been amazing to watch you grow in the Lord and watch you, you know, come out of some of these things in, in the past, and and. Uh, you're an amazing husband and father and leader at church. And um, talk about that because it, it was a transition for you. You know, your identity was in basketball. I mean, you were Mr. Basketball for Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. And then to be recruited by all these Division I coaches. I mean, Billy Donovan's in your house. You yeah. know, your mom's cooking dinner for Billy Donovan. I mean, you know, you had all these people in there. And it just kind of wrapped you up in that sure. world, didn't it? Yeah. And then... 
coming to Vanderbilt and going and playing in the Sweet 16. Talk about how, how that identity was so intertwined there and then how God started to say, no, it's not even about basketball or, or church, it's about me. Yeah. Um, yeah, great question. Um, you know, the Mr. Basketball thing was, was fine and um, uh, not, not to brag, I won it twice. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. Sorry, I just had one. <laughs> who's, who's counting? Uh, yeah, the first time was kind of a surprise, and I didn't, I didn't think I had a shot at winning it. It was actually up here in Nashville, and we drove up and, um, you know, was surprised to receive the award. The second award was, um, was a lot more fulfilling because I had a target on my back that entire year, and um, expectation levels had risen, and everybody expected you to perform and do those things, and, uh, and then to win it again was, um, was great. And, um, yeah, and, then, and then to go on, <laughs> my, my favorite story, and I'll make sure we have enough time, is uh, I played in a golf tournament in high school, and um, I was a terrible golfer in high school. I've gotten a lot better since then. Um, but. Uh, uh, it was Billy Donovan's trip to Chattanooga to, for an in-house visit, and um, to make a long story short, um, Kevin Stallings was traveling through Chattanooga that day and stopped, and he walked the front nine with me, um, and not a good golfer at all. I was hitting it everywhere. Uh, and, and then on the back nine, Billy Donovan and one of his assistants came um, for their visit, and so at, you know, basically for the back nine of this tournament, I had uh, Coach Stallings, Coach Donovan, and Coach Pelfrey following me around in, in every reporter in Chattanooga, and then also just a bunch of people just looking for autographs from these people. And so I probably had a gallery of 50 people at a, at a high school tournament, and I was literally shooting like 130. Like it was, <laughs> it was bad. But I was going to kick the, the next day. There's, you know, they went into a playoff, and you know, a couple of kids shot, you know, 67s and 68s, and one kid won, and I don't remember. But uh, on the front page of the paper was a picture of me and these two coaches, and um, you know, on the on the very bottom headline, you know, with a, with a with a smooth 97. Jason finishes <laughs> tied for a, you know 246. And so uh, anyway, that was a fun process, the recruiting, and then Vanderbilt was great. I mean. Um, uh, I, I have friends that I, you know I'll talk to today. That mm. um, that um, that experience was was fantastic, and exactly um, how God planned it. Right? Is is uh, he his plan for me was not in basketball. Uh, mm -hmm. That happened to be a tool <laughs> for me. And uh, to be perfectly honest, basketball and, the, and that identity, and, and even some of the bad things, God has worked through that because I've had a platform just like this. Mm -hmm. uh, I've spoken in churches everywhere. Um, that all those life lessons I use in my business today, mm -hmm. um, and in uh, in you know I, I look up today and I live in Franklin, Tennessee, with a beautiful wife and two mm -hmm. kids, and I go to Rolling Hills Community Church, mm -hmm. and um, I feel like in in my circle I'm trying to make an impact, and so yeah. you know God used those um, uh, those shortcomings that were human related, that were church related, um, in a flawed way. Um, to hopefully shape me and make me into a better man, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's done that, you know? I mean, and, and I've seen that. But it's been a process. It's been a journey in that. How, how do you think sports helped you uh, grow spiritually? Or did it move you further away? I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, again, there's, there's human error involved in yeah church and in sports and all these things. And so there's ways that we can manipulate sports to make them bad, right? I mean, there's, um, there's you know, these expectation and identity and there's gambling and there's all this other stuff around sports that mm. are unhealthy, but sports itself, um, it's like 
you know, money. Money itself is not bad, but the love of money is, is, is the problem. And so I love the movie Chariots of Fire. Um, uh, there's a quote in there, um, Eric Little, who oddly enough refused to run on Sundays and missed the Olympics for it. Um, maybe ironic that I'm up here talking about that, but um, he, he has a quote that, that has always kind of stuck with me, which is, hey, God made me fast, and when I run fast, I feel God's pleasure. Mm. And that, that, when I look back at the best years of my basketball career, or, or even golf, mm -hmm. I mean, Pebble Beach, um, mm -hmm. I think when you're aligned with God, and when you're using the gifts that He's given you, um, it just kind of clicks. And yeah. you know, the, the best basketball days of my life um, were when I was alone in a gym at 11 o'clock at night and, um, and was shooting baskets and, and did it because I loved it, because I was doing what He you know, designed me to do, how He wired me. Um, and so I think that absolutely drew me closer to God. Um, and, and to this day, I mean, sports is still a big part of my life. And when it's, when it's used properly and you're aligning yourself with how God's wired you, I think that's where, that's where we're successful, right? Mm -hmm. um, I also think it's the same and for everybody out here with, with business is, um, you know, if you're doing something you're passionate about and that God gave you uh, the ability to do, um, you're a great example. Nick's a great example is uh, when you're aligned doing his will, um, it's crazy what can be accomplished, right? And that's where you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where you want to live in the center of his will. And, and that's where it gets exciting, doesn't sure. it? Sure. Talk about you, you, some of the things you've seen, all sports and everything. Now you're a dad, you know, yeah. and you, you've got these two great boys and, and you're watching them start to get into sports. What did you learn back then or how can you encourage us as dads in helping our kids navigate yeah. sports and, and what you learned? I mean, I love that you were saying, hey, I'm going to go to church even on the road when we're traveling or I mean, nowadays with podcasts and those things, sure. but, uh, church online. But, but how did you, what did you learn then that's going to apply to you now? Yeah, you know, the, the biggest lesson I've had to learn is with, with my boys is a hard one, which is um, uh, I and we cannot be so arrogant uh, to think that we know how our kids are wired better than God does. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the tough lesson for me was my kids might not be athletes. Um, I love sports, and I really, really hope they play sports, especially golf. But if they don't, that's okay. Um, and so I've, I've accepted the fact that um, God made them perfect um, mm. in the way he wanted them made. And if that's, if that's being wired to, you know, to be a musician or, um, you know, to act in theater or to be a, you know, an athlete or to do anything else, uh, it's our job as dads to empower that. And so, um, I, it, man, I, I love empowering my kids. Mm. Um, I pray over my boys every night and I, and I, um, um, I say, you know, God, make these boys strong because one day they're going to need it. I, I, I believe they're both going to be leaders in their life. And so I, I'm instilling that now is when I go out of town, I say, boys, you're in charge. You watch out for your mom. You know, you, you're, you're the man of the house now. And so just building up, um, trying to turn them into godly men, I think, um, uh, is, is the key there. As it relates to sports, um, especially as kids, at my kids' age, make it fun. I mean, <laughs> The, the last thing you want to do is, um, is, is pressure them into doing something they don't want to do, then they just don't want to play sports. And so, um, um, yeah, I mean, keep it fun, empower them, believe in them, um, build them up. And, uh, and, if, and if it, you know, is something that they're passionate about, they're going to pursue it. Like it was, you know, like me, it was not dad dragging me to the gym to get up shots. It was dad, I got to go shoot, take me down to the gym. Um, 
And, uh, and, the, and then the last thing as they get older, and I know a lot of men in here have, have older boys that are probably involved in sports, is that identity thing. Is, yeah, is you can be uh, unbelievably passionate about sports and about your sport, but um, you gotta keep the first thing first. Yeah, and I think you've done a great job at that, but I, th- I think you're exactly right, helping our kids find their identity in Christ. That's right. You know, and, and not in sports or even acting or music or whatever else. And by praying over them at night and by walking with them, I think is such a key to that. Yeah. And, uh, and just in your own spiritual journey, God did that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you went from finding your identity in sports or at first church even, then sports, and then yeah. coming back to what is really at your heart, and that's follow, being a follower of Christ. Right. And, and I've seen that in your life, and that's what I love about you. What are some of the principles that you've taken from sports that you've now applied even in, in your business? I mean, being in corporate real estate and, you know. Yeah, um, man, it feels like it changes all the time. Um, and it, it kind of goes in cycles. Is, yeah, and I was a much different person coming out of college uh, to the guy I was after I got married, to the guy I was when I started having kids, and to the person I am now. And so um, it's, a, it's a process. Like, you know, you, you've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the constant is, um, prayer, mm-hmm. being in the Word, and community, period. It's that simple. Um, and so I, I, am, I am far from the most consistent at all three of those, um, probably the best at community, but, um, but I work hard at the other two. And so those principles of consistency that my dad instilled in me when I was young um, with him, the hardest work I've ever met. Um, and uh, in, in, in just being there, um, just showing up and never missing a day of work and that consistency, I think, is, is kind of the baseline, surrounded in prayer and the Word and in community. And so, um, uh, you know, as, as it relates to sports, going back to identity, I love, there's a 60-minute interview with Tom Brady that, um, you know, and if Tom Brady doesn't, you know, have it kind of figured out with, you know, multiple Super Bowls and a gazillionaire and married a supermodel and everything that the world says is perfect, then I don't know who does on the sports side and the identity side, but Tom Brady in his 60-minute interview said, um, this can't be all it's about. This can't be all it's cracked up to be. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I know on a much, much smaller level, I've, I've won the biggest awards that you can win in high school in, mm-hmm. in my sport, um, and it wasn't enough. Um, you know, we didn't win an NCAA tournament. We ran into a buzzsaw in UConn, but I've played in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16, um, and it wasn't enough. Um, I've, I've, I've got scoring records, and I've got state championships, and I've got all the trophies to prove it, and I can guarantee you none of it was enough. Mm-hmm. And I, there was always something else, and I always wanted more. And so um, in sports and in life and in my job, it's, it's keeping that perspective and understanding that None of the stuff, none, the stuff that Nick mentioned about you know, any success I've had in the business world is never enough. Um, there's always something else and something more. And so, again, um, I do know what is enough. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I've learned that lesson the hard way. Um, and, 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 and he is enough. And because he is enough, I'm enough. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that'll preach. Come on now. <laughs> but, but talk about that because I think you're exactly right. We run after all these accolades in sports. And it's never enough. And then we turn around and we do the exact same thing in business and yeah. in our life. And in, we, we want more money or more awards or more prestige or more deals. Yeah. And we think that's going to define us. And it never satisfies. 
Well, it's it's only it's only one like thought process away. Is yeah. You play out. You play out in your mind. Um, okay, you know, if 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 I land this deal and I get that paycheck, then I can go buy this, and I can maybe go get a house, and then I can do. Th and, and then eventually, it's like I'm trying to impress people that. I don't really care about, right? I mean, the people that I, that I want to be friends with and that want uh, that, that, that I want to be close with, they don't care where I live. They don't care how I dress. They don't care about the car. They just care about me. Uh, and so you start to play that out. And man, it hit home at, at the JMI Gala a couple nights ago mm -hmm. as I sat there. And, um, you know, on the drive over, Jessica and I kind of said, you know, how, how much do we want to give and all this stuff. And, um, and I was sitting there and I started hearing these stories and these kids and, and these, um, um, you know, unbelievable people on the front lines doing this stuff. Um, and, uh, and, and God kind of punched me right in the face and he said, you know, you, you, need, to, you need to write a check here. And, and, um, and so investing in, in those things um, that truly make a difference and that truly matters what's important, not, you know, um, the car you drive and the house you live in and all that, you know, other garbage. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And, you, and there, there, is, there comes a process of spiritual maturity when you start to realize that, yeah. right? Well, and the other thing that we, we talked about at the beginning is, is again, I'm on this fear-based mentality thing right now. And all those things I just mentioned are things that you are investing in in a fear-based mentality. It's because, mm. you know, I need to have this certain thing so that I look this certain way, so that I can build up this certain image. That, that's, just, that's just false. That's just not right. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a theme I think we're seeing in men's leadership right now this semester is just that whole idea of being driven by fear um, versus being driven by faith and trusting, you know, who I'm living for that's and right. what you fear, you know, like we said, is really what you worship. Yeah. And uh, if I fear failure, then I'm going to do everything to protect myself. And, and you talked about these three things. You, you just came, it was so good. You went over those. You said prayer, God's word, and community. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like the fundamentals, isn't it? I mean, it's like dribbling is to basketball or passing right. you know, or jump shot. You, yeah. you got those three things. It's, like, about, it's like an Indiana jump shot for my, my guy Matt back here. Yeah. Just, you know, set. Follow through. Follow through. And so talk about those three things and how are those priorities for you? Because we can get so busy that we drop those things and then it becomes more fear-based. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever your process is, I, I am not a morning guy. Again, that's why I have a massive cup of coffee in front of me. Um, uh, it, it is finding a process that works for you and for your lifestyle. Uh, you know, I, I am quick to beat myself up for missing a morning of not reading or, you know, a quick prayer. Um, uh, what I've learned is it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like eating for me. Uh, I probably couldn't tell you what I ate a week ago. I couldn't tell you what I ate a month ago. I, I can barely tell you what I ate yesterday, but I know I ate because I'm here and I'm alive and I'm healthy and I'm doing all those things. Uh, and so if I can you know, in the car on a 30-minute drive to, to Nashville, mm -hmm. catch a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I can, um, you know, re read even a verse and just kind of meditate on that verse, uh, if I can be in prayer, one thing I love to do <clears throat> that I just started doing earlier this year is um, every day I've got, a, I've got a calendar on here full of appointments. And so what I will do is on the way to work usually is I'll look at my calendar 
and, and, and I'll pray for those people that I'm going to meet during the day. And I'll say, hey, um, you know, 10 o'clock, you know, there's a young man that we're interviewing for a job. I, I God, I pray for him, and I pray that um, mm-hmm. he'll speak clearly and think clearly, and if this is a good fit, that you'll reveal that. The other thing it does is I'm terrible with names, and so praying over that person a few times makes me remember his name, and so it's somewhat self-serving, but you know, that gives you a different perspective on your day. Yeah. Um, uh, the podcasts are big for me. It's, yeah. it's uh, you know, maybe a little hard for me to go read multiple chapters of the Bible or meditate for a long time, but just listening to podcasts and staying in that. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a Bible in my office that, um, that has Jackson's name in it. Um, and so I've been reading that entire thing and marking it up and making notes in the margins and highlighting it and underlining it. And um, one day that'll be an unbelievable gift for Jackson. And, and I'll do the same thing for Luke. Um, and so, you know, when you start thinking about, hey, I'm making a long-term investment in Jackson's life, guess what? I'm going to read a little bit extra, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper. And so, um, Jason, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, one day when you hand him that Bible that you've read through and that yeah. you've marked up, man. That'll be strong. You're just saying to him, this is, this is yeah. the foundation I want for you, you yeah. know? And whether you're a good basketball player or not, or whether you're a good golfer, or whether you're a musician, or what, this is what I want for you. That's right. I mean, Man, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I'll say the other, the last thing I'll say on that one is, um, and Jessica's watching this morning, so uh, I'll be a little careful, but uh, I am, I don't know if anybody out here struggles with, um, you're supposed to pray with your spouse before you go to bed, last thing, and people have always told me that's that's a big check mark, you got to do that, you got to do that, and I don't know about you guys, but it always feels um, a little bit goofy to me um, to offer this, you know, grandiose prayer and, you know, you're sitting there with your wife and before you go to bed and it's always a little bit awkward. And so uh, I had a mentor of mine say, forget all that. Just before you go to bed, and this is an easy one to do, if, if you guys struggle with this one, use it, um, is pick out a person. Uh, it's the same thing I do with my schedule. Pick out a person, pick out something going on in your life, uh, pick out something going on the next day, pick a kid, what's an issue they're having, and just pray over that. Just spend even if it's, you know, a minute or two. Uh, but that, again, that consistency of doing that every single night is, is just so impactful. And, I f- you know, I find that we have that conversation. We go to bed and we say, um, you know, we, we pray for Wade and Wade's dad and, yeah. and what's happened in his life and say, you know, we need to pray for Gary Benz tonight. And so we'll spend, you know, two or three minutes playing over Gary Benz. And, and that, is, that has been so much better than this you know, awkward, goofy little prayer that we used to do and, and has been pretty impactful in our marriage. So I, I'd encourage you guys, if that's something that's, uh, that's, that's held you back, try it. It's Man, a good one. that's great. So prayer, God's Word, community. Talk about community for a second, just how powerful that's been in your life. Yeah, uh, I mean, I love, I love our church, uh, mm-hmm. and I love the way that we approach community, that we, um, we invest, we put our money where our mouth is, mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, and we're paying for sitters and all that. Um, uh, and uh, I have a community of, um, of guys around me. Um, again, I keep mentioning Wade and Thomas and multiple others that um, I would run through a wall for, and I know they do the same for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so that is kind of my inner circle. And, and those are the guys that, um, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, if something's gone wrong, I call them and they're there, right? Uh, I also have a larger community, which is um, a lot of old teammates. It's a community group uh, mm-hmm. that, that we're a part of every year. Uh, and so just, just meeting those and widening that circle and, you know, people investing in me and then hopefully returning that. Um, 
uh, is, is so, so critical. And, and, and then, again, I go back to consistency of, uh, of rolling hills, mm -hmm. of showing up on Sundays mm -hmm. and worshiping and serving together and going to lunch afterwards mm -hmm. and, um, you know, s surrounding yourself with, with, with just good people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I build my company the same way is, um, you know, we, we get approached a lot by people wanting, um, uh, you know, to come work and, um, and, you know, first of all, first of all, there has to be a fit professionally and they you know, need to fit a role. But second, um, and much more important to me is bringing in just good people. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to go into work every day and be around people I don't like. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that just, just kind of building that community. And then the tough one is it is so easy to get in my little holy huddle and, um, keep the same community group every year and keep the same friends and all that. And that's great. But, um, you know, stretching a little bit and getting back to finding opportunities to be afraid and running towards those instead of running from them. Mm. That's so powerful because you become like the people you surround yourself with, right? right. Whether it's in your foursome or your teammates playing basketball or just the people that you work with every day and yep. um, being around godly people and having that, that community, yeah. that prayer, God's word, a community. Man, that's so good. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jason, what do you want your legacy to be? It's funny. Uh, again, I was, I was there at the inception of this. I know. And, when uh, we first started talking about men's leadership. And I've, I've come to many, many, um, to hear many men up here speaking and I've, so I've had plenty of time to think about this, is my point. Uh, and the short answer is, uh, I still don't know. Uh, I, I think it's changed, um, again, as my life has changed. Um, but I'll, I'll humor everybody with an answer. And um, to, to stick back with the sports theme, I love watching basketball because I know it, and I know the ins and outs of it. And my favorite player to watch on a team is always that, that guy that's, um, you know, he might even be sitting on the bench, you know, doling out high fives and passing out Gatorades, or he might be the guy who's, you know, getting, um, you know, extra rebound or taking a charge, or he's, he's what, you know, the announcers call the glue guy on a team. And when that, when the glue guy and the superstar on the team match up, I, I'll, I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. I know there's not many, but I'm a LeBron fan because, uh, because he makes people better. He's, he's a defender and he's a passer. And despite everything that's kind of happened recently, um, he seems like an okay teammate. But um, I guess I want that to be my legacy, mm. is, is I want to be a guy that makes everybody better. I want to be somebody that makes everyone better. Um, and, um, and I think... I, I think with, um, uh, with, with that being our priority, I don't, I don't know how you miss. That's why I like hanging out with you. <laughs> you make me better. You make our church better. You, you really do. You have that heart, and that, and that makes such a difference. So Thank you. I think we've got some questions for you. <clears throat> so question number one, uh, we all face disappointments in life. What nugget could you pass along to us about dealing with life when things don't meet expectations? Hmm. Good one. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll cop out a little bit and go back to, um, um, you know, keep, keep what's important, what's important. And then yeah. it seems like, um, I use the analogy, you know, I, my, my coach was a, um, was a tough coach. Um, I've been called names that you can't imagine. Um, uh, and, uh, Stalling. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, um, yeah, I, I've literally seen people go to the hospital after some of the conditioning workouts that we went through. Um, uh, and so, um, 
it was hard. And, and now I go to meetings, you know, wherever they are, here or out of town or, you know, these big kind of suit and tie meetings, and all of a sudden it doesn't feel that bad anymore, right? Um, I, f I feel like I've kind of been, I've been tested and, uh, and I'm still here. And so all those things kind of seem fairly trivial. Mm. Um, and so I think keeping that perspective is, hey, if I'm operating at this level um, and, and the failures and shortcomings are always going to be at this level, because this level is just going to be so much bigger, um, then I think it puts everything in perspective and failure becomes, again, somewhat trivial. That's great. Great answer. Great answer. <laughs> I think it goes back to identity, too. You know, where's your identity? And if your identity gets wrapped up in that, then any kind of, you know, hint toward failure or disappointment, you, you're going to you fail. You go back to the, the foundation. That's yeah, right. exactly. But if your foundation is in Christ, you're going to hold on, you know, like That's it right. says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's the verse I was just about to say. That's, what are you doing? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I was going to quote it. You stole my thunder. <laughs> all right, we got one more. One more question. All right, one more question. In making big decisions related to business or family, uh, how do you determine where it is that God might be leading you? What's that process like for you? Yeah, it uh, uh, feels like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to beat this horse to death, but um, is you know, currently I'm in a season of fear-based mentality and, and it either falls on faith-based or fear-based. And if it's faith-based, it's usually the right decision. Um, mm -hmm. If it's fear-based, it's usually not. Um, and so I think, again, it's having that barometer of, of, uh, of judging situations. I, I, you know, the thing that, that strengthened and renewed my faith in addition to several events that happened in Rolling Hills and you being involved in my life is, is Jesus, mm -hmm. um, is... If, if you have doubts about, um, about your life, about scripture, about the history of church, about all those things, um, God and Jesus in particular do an unbelievable job of driving a wedge between those gray areas, mm -hmm. and they don't give you the opportunity to live in the gray area. Um, is um, is it's, it's one or the other. Um, is, you know... Um, um, C.S. Lewis in your quote on Sunday, you know, I, if I find myself a desire to which nothing in this world could satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. And he doesn't give you the option of saying, um, well, he was, he was a really good dude, um, but I don't think he was who he says he was. And creation is, um, it's either God or it wasn't. Um, mm. And so there, there's no kind of middle ground. And so I'd say the same thing about hard decisions is uh, with, with a foundation of the word, there's, there's a, there's, usually the right and wrong decision. So, and if it's not, then you live with the consequences. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think, it, I think fear keeps more guys from doing what God's called them to do than anything else. You know, we're afraid of what we're going to look like. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid of, and, and man, I mean, what God's teaching you about not living in fear, but living in faith, is what I believe God's calling all of us to. You know, being bold enough to pray with our spouse, you know, and maybe we don't have all the right words to say or being bold enough to, you know, to take the time to write in the Bible for our kids. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. I mean, that's powerful. Being bold enough to, to give and not just buying the things of this world. That's life change, Jason. And that's what God's done in you, you know, yeah. and, and you're... You're living it for the Lord. It's certainly a process. Don't, don't make me out to be a saint. Well, I, we're I all in process, right? Every need a lot of, us. of help. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks so much for sharing. Thank you. Let me pray for us guys this morning. Oh, Father God, we come seeking you. God, we long to be men after your heart. Um, Father, we admit we struggle so many times, God, 
Um, but Father, I pray this morning you would anoint us with your spirit. I pray that you would give us a spirit of faith and God, not fear. I pray that, that fear, God, your word says perfect love drives out fear. So the more we fall in love with you, the more fear falls behind us. Let us go in boldness, Father. Let us be men who, who point other people to you. I, I love, as Jesus said, God, let our legacy be that we help make people better. We pointed people to Christ and gave them uh, encouragement and a hope in a future. And so, Father, today, I pray that you would give us divine appointments. I pray, Father, that, God, the people that we meet, we would be an encouragement to, and we would point them to you. And I pray especially, Father, for our, our wives. I pray for our kids. I pray that we would have a legacy that would point people to Christ. So we love you, Jesus. God, this has been so encouraging today. And, Father, help us to be men after your heart. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Good job. Thanks, Jason. Hey guys, be on the lookout later today for the MLN Rewind. Um, it's an email that recaps the morning. It has a link to this video. Um, it also links uh, back to all of the videos that we've captured through the years of Men's Leadership Network. Um, we're developing uh, an incredible bench of really good content that we can continue to use in our daily lives. Um, also mark your calendars for November the 2nd um, because that's the next time that we'll gather together for Men's Leadership Breakfast. While we won't be meeting on site during the month of October, we will put out some podcasts that go along with the content that we're learning. Um, but we will be back on November the 2nd. We hope that you guys can join us and bring other men along. Jason did a good job kind of summing up what the heartbeat of Men's Leadership Network is this morning. Um, it's make others better. We want this to make us better, um, better men, better husbands, better fathers, um, better leaders in the community. Um, and then we want to take that and, and live a life that makes others better around us. Um, and so that's what we want to be about. If you've got ideas for content or speakers, people that can participate in this, uh, be sure to send those our way too. Thanks for being here this morning.